0: com morning, everyone. Hey, as you may have noticed, uh, you have some folks coming around with some papers and a pen if you need one. Um, papers are yours to keep. Drop the pen back off on your way out. Uh, if you could, we'll use them again. Um, but uh, we each need one of these, so if you don't have one, there's extras on the back. But you can set it aside for now because it's not until... Something we'll use at the end of the message. Alright, so we are, we've been working through Romans. We are going to start up in Romans chapter 5 today. And I'm going to refrain from recapping the whole book like I have pretty much uh, every week up to this point in time. I really want to dig right into the text. So if you want to turn to chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to dive right in with absolutely no backstory or explanation. Chapter 5. Verse one. Therefore, <laughs> a loophole. Now I have to go back and give you some context, right? But we did get into the text before we did the backstory. All right. So Romans, we are we've been working through. Last week we were through chapter four, which is about the faith of Abraham. Right. Paul laid out his case that um, Abraham demonstrated faith. And that was counted to him as righteousness, and in the same way it will be counted to us too. So the key point from last week was our faith is credited to us as righteousness. Right? The ideas that, that Paul's been talking about is that salvation comes through having or obtaining the righteousness of God. Like, we have to have that for ourselves. But that righteousness can only come through faith in Jesus. That's the only way we're going to get it. So Jesus lived this perfect life, met the legal requirements of the law. He redeemed us, he bought us back with a price, and acted, as Paul said, as a propitiation. A word we use all the time. But basically means he was appeasing God's wrath against sin and ungodliness as a substitute for us. We are then justified or declared righteous in God's eyes because of our faith in Him. Right? So, there's your recap. Right? And with all of that in mind, therefore, verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So this is the text we're going to work through this morning. So we've been and are justified by faith. Because we are justified by faith, Paul says we have three things that we see in verse 1 and 2. And the first of those three things is peace. Verse 1 says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Greek word here is irene, the word for peace. I'm not like a Greek scholar, but I can look this stuff up, right? Uh, <laughs> irene means oneness, wholeness, peace, quietness, rest. It's this complete picture of peace. The reality is that as unbelievers, we were enemies with God. We were at odds with God before we came to faith in Christ. We were hostile toward God. We were at war with him. Back before we knew Jesus, we probably didn't see it that way. We didn't see ourselves as enemies of God. I'm going to guess that even most people who would say they are agnostic... And even many atheists wouldn't view themselves as enemies of God. I'm sure some are actively fighting against any concept of God, but most probably just, they just don't see himself as his enemy. Neither do we. They just don't know, either don't know, or, or uh, <coughs> don't believe that he exists. But the picture Scripture paints is that anyone who isn't with him or, or for him is his enemy. Right? In Colossians 1, 21-23, Paul's writing to, the, to a different church saying, Look, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Right? Once you are alienated and were enemies. Now look, this, this verse is true. Whether it's because we don't believe God exists, don't know if he exists, Believe in some false god, or believe in the God of the Bible, but choose not to trust and follow him. Either way, we are at odds with him. We're considered his enemy. And even Jesus said, look, he who who is not with me is against me. And if he doesn't gather with me, he scatters. Yeah, Jesus said that even. So once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Now, Paul then goes on to say in verse 22 of that Colossians passage, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Right, so Jesus has made this way for us to be reconciled to God, and by faith we're now at peace with God. The, the war against God, which was, let's face it, a war we were never going to win, that war is over. That war is over. So being justified or declared righteous in God's eyes because of our faith, the first thing that we have is peace. We're at peace with God. The second thing, he says, is that we have Grace. Right? We have grace, and specifically we have access to grace. So verse 2 says, We have also obtained access by faith into this grace. Right? And grace is caris, and it means grace, favor, kindness, unmerited or undeserved kindness and favor, like Rachel mentioned earlier. Right? If you think about it, though, there is a difference between receiving grace and having access to grace. Right? I love that picture of we have access to grace. It's like the difference between having a day pass to an amusement park and like having a membership where you can go anytime you want. Right? When you have the membership, you can access it at any time. A day pass only gets you in once. Well, We haven't just received a moment of grace in our life from God. It's that we now have access to the grace of God. In every moment, we're, we're admitted into his presence and we can approach him at any time. And it's, it's the idea here, the image here that, that I think uh, Paul is kind of conveying is like, God is a king. We can approach God like a king. Now, approaching a king was not something that you would do without permission back in the day. right? Because he had ultimate authority in the land and the power to end your life just because he was in a bad mood. Right? Remember the story of Esther. She asked people to fast and pray for three days so she might find favor with the king. In other words, not be killed when she approached him without being summoned. Because she knew that doing that could cost her life. But the fate of her people was at stake, so she said she would go to him and look, if she perished, she perished. Talk about a nervous moment. Had he not welcomed her, it would have been over for her. And yet when she approached him, he extended the scepter and welcomed her into his presence. And that's what God does with us. We have access to God through faith. We, We are not approaching him as an enemy any longer. We don't need to fear coming to him. We can approach him with confidence. The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 4.16, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Like, we have access to grace, and we should approach God confidently for it. I I don't know about you, but I, I think sometimes it's difficult to approach God this way. Right? Like, God is intimidating. Sometimes in our minds, like to really approach him and deeply connect with him intimately. He's God. And honestly, I I think one of the reasons that we um, have struggle with that sometimes is that we understand God to be our heavenly father. And maybe our image of a father isn't quite great. I mean, none of us have perfect earthly fathers. But, you know, we sing songs about God as a father and being a good, good father. And yet in our lives, our experience of a father isn't always that great. Like for some people, father means a dominating disciplinarian whose authority we fear. Like how could we feel safe approaching God if that's how we view him? If we view him as the father who's waiting to pound us whenever we mess up. For some, their father was checked out when he came home after a long day of work. Or maybe he was a workaholic who avoided home life or was distracted by things that were, in his mind, more important than, say, loving his kid. If we think God's like that, why would we want to go to Him? We don't really believe He cares about us. Anyway. Maybe our earthly father seemed to care more about the woman he was having an affair with. And abandoned his own family. Maybe we have a father who disappeared after the, divorce, after the divorce. Like maybe we've been verbally, physically, or sexually abused. If we picture God as a self-absorbed, self-centered or twisted God, that kind of father, how could we ever trust him? And the point is this, that because of our images of what an earthly father is, it can sometimes make it the prospect of approaching our Heavenly Father in a close, intimate way. That that can be pretty difficult. However, we need to recognize that God is not like those things. He's not like those things. He loves us perfectly perfectly. If we need mercy, it's available to us. If we need help, it's available to us. We have access to His grace because of our faith. And in this grace, we're able to stand, it says. We're able to stand before Him. He welcomes us and is glad to see us. That's the Father we can go to. So we can stand before Him in love, not with fear. Right? 1 John 4 17 and 18 says, By this love per- is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Right. So we can approach God knowing we are loved knowing we don't need to fear. We have full access to his strength, his mercy, his love, and as Paul writes about here in Romans, his grace. Right? So that's the second thing we have, is grace. And the third thing is hope. Verse 2 also says we have hope of the glory of God. We have hope of the glory of God. Now, hope is the thing he actually talks the most about in this passage. Uh, the word here for hope is L LP, peace, which means expectation or hope or trust or confidence. Like those are some of the, the words associated with this describing it. And the first reality is that we have the hope of the glory of God in the sense of we have an eternal hope. Right? The glory of God. We'll be basking in the presence of God in all His glory, which will be amazing. We'll have God in all His splendor, all His magnificence, all His honor. We'll be in the presence of Him. but also we'll experience the fullness of dignity and honor that's waiting for us as His, as his children. Like we'll have our eternal bodies, which will be great. We'll be free from sin and pain and death and sorrow. I mean, that is an incredible hope. And it isn't a hope with a sense of like wishing for something to happen, right? Like winning the lottery or getting a pony for Christmas. right? When, when God promises something to us, we can take it to the bank. We know that it is certain and that it is true. Right? So we have this eternal hope of the glory of God that we can cling to. And that's pretty incredible. But Paul says, wait, there's more about this hope. <laughs> not only that, verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. So he says, not only do we have this eternal hope of God's glory, but we can also have hope for our struggles in the here and now. We can actually rejoice or take joy in our difficulties. And so just one key idea that I want to to pull out this morning is this, that you have an eternal hope and and a hope for here and now that will not disappoint or let you down. You have an eternal hope. And a hope for the here and now that will not disappoint or let you down. And so then Paul, we can leave that up for a little bit, but Paul lays out a progression that's kind of mind-blowing to kind of point out this hope for the here and now. He says, look, suffering produces endurance. Right? Like, it's easy to be faithful when things are going well. Sometimes it can be hard to be faithful when things are going well. We get a little little lackadaisical or whatever. But man, it's tough to cling to God sometimes when times are hard, when there's challenge. In suffering, whether it's persecution or hard times in life, that's when we learn to hold on to our faith and endure, right? So suffering produces endurance. Then he says an endurance produces greater character in us, right? Like a A person of real godly character isn't going to be wishy-washy in their faith. They will persevere when things get difficult, and that shows, or or maybe a better way to put it is that builds character. It builds character in us. And then when we see ourselves growing in character, when that's taking place, character produces hope. That's Romans 5.5 5 says, Hope does not put us to shame. It, it will not disappoint us or let us down because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Right? So that character. Think about this. That character that's being produced in you, that's evidence God is at work in your life through the Holy Spirit. Right? God is the one who produces spiritual fruit in your life. It isn't the result of your own good nature. We don't really have that. Right? We aren't capable in and of ourselves of producing spiritual fruit, much less good spiritual fruit, because we aren't inherently good. We're sinful. Created in God's image? Yes. Absolutely. but fallen and sinful. Right? And it's, it's just not possible. You know, just like it's not possible for a for good fruit to come from a, like a bad tree, it's not really possible for good spiritual fruit to come from an evil heart. It can only grow when your heart is being changed by the presence of God in your life. I mean, that's, that's His love, like Paul says, being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So, um, so when we see spiritual fruit growing in us, and character being developed, when we start to see ourselves more closely resembling Jesus, it's confirmation to us that, first of all, our faith is real. It's accomplishing something. But it should further strengthen our certainty and bring us greater hope. And so here's kind of the, the big, key bottom line point for today is this. Your changed life and the presence of the Holy Spirit are proof that your faith has truly accomplished something real in eternity. Right? Your changed life and the presence of the Holy Spirit are proof that your faith has truly accomplished something real in eternity. And that's cause for incredible hope. I want us to close today... And um, we're going to take a little uh, moment of reflection. And um, today I want you to think about the ways that God has worked in your life. Okay? Think about the ways that he's changed you. Think about the fruit that he's produced in you. Okay? Like the way that you've maybe grown in love. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The way you've grown in love. The way you have this deeper experience of a greater joy. The way you have a deeper sense of peace. How you've become more patient. How your kindness has grown. The goodness that's come out of you that you didn't have before. The more gentle you've become. How, how much more faithful you are. and How you're exhibiting self-control in your life, right? So think about changes like that in your life. Think about how God has softened your hardened heart. Ways that he stirred up a love for other people in you. Maybe how he's helped let go of bitterness and anger and allowed you to forgive others just like he's forgiven you when you messed up. Think about how he's brought healing, maybe to your marriage or a friendship. How he's guided you in your relationships in life. How he has brought you joy at difficult times, in difficult circumstances, and you could sense his presence carrying you through that. Think about how he has shown up when you needed him. How He's provided a need miraculously. Or brought physical healing in your life. Like when you see things like that going on in you, it should bring you greater hope. Right? Because God is working in you. And that's the idea here. That's the idea. Your changed life and the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, it's proof. It's proof that your faith has truly accomplished something real in eternity. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes this morning. And I'm going to ask you to actually write down some of these ways. Right? You've got this card. That's what this is for. Your changed life and the presence of the Holy Spirit are proof that your faith has truly accomplished something real in eternity. This is the time where you don't have to listen to me talk or Bob Lead or anyone share. This is just the time for you to connect with the Lord and and, and consider the questions that are here. How has God been changing you and conforming you into the image of Jesus? Where have you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in you? And as you answer those questions, as you think about those instances, as you jot them down, or just a word that represents that moment, let it be an encouragement. Let it be an encouragement that brings greater hope, because God is at work in you. So we're going to take a few minutes, a few silent moments, to do this on our own. And then I'll wrap us up in prayer. Thanks for listening to the podcast of the Portico Church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You can find out more about our church at porticocommunity.com.